Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's name is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. They sure do. Daiwa reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget, you can catch it at our website. You can contact us through our website. Check out wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is re- re- produced by our good friend, Mr. Brad Nierman from Berserk Productions down in Land of Lakes, Florida. How you doing, Brad? On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnson from St. Croix. We are going to visit with a lure designer and angling innovator. He's from Z-Man. Love their baits. Love that Elastec plastic that they have. Listen to what Jose Chavez has to say. Then I'm going to visit with a big fish specialist. He's from Texas. Lake Fork is in his backyard. He fishes it. He is a master at putting people on big fish, putting himself on big fish down on Lake Fork. He, he's a king of the 10-pounders down there. He is Lee Levesey. Hey, Lee, look forward to talking to you in just a couple of minutes. But first, let me turn it over to Dave Kranz, who's going to bring out our friend, Dan Johnson. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnson. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, always, always a pleasure. Uh, we've had so many of these this year. Windy days. We we talked about it uh, last week, I believe, off the air, and we said, you know, we need to do a topic on this, and I think it's a really good one. It's a big topic, and it's relative to what's going on. It's blowing thirty outside today. And I, as much as I've been out this spring, I think only one day it hasn't blown like crazy. You know, so it's a it's an important topic because I think you know you've heard a lot of anglers say wind can be your friend, and it can also be your arch rival if you don't understand certain key aspects to it you know at a very high level uh short of super cold water fish like the wind they bite good and it. it moves bait around it moves the food bait feeds on around it cuts light penetration down uh it makes them active uh it, it can push warm water into areas it could give you 20 reasons why it's a good thing however if we don't fish it right we we, we don't get a bite and, and I think a big part of that, even though they're biting better, is the speed in which the bait's presented. And a lot of that's on us to make sure we use the right casting angles and understand that in certain baits, we can let the wind affect it to its benefit. And then there's other baits that if we let the wind affect it, they won't bite it. So we can take this any way you want to take it, but it's a really important topic. It is, and I think a lot of times the better you are if you're throwing a bait caster, we all know uh, you know, when the bait stops moving forward, that spool keeps going if you don't stop it. On windy days, that can even uh, accelerate the, uh, the best of anglers uh, if they have to cast into the wind. If that's the position, that's the best. Uh, but yeah, we uh, it is a great topic. And you know, I was watching uh, one of the uh, major league fishings on Gunnersville, and, and uh, I believe Nick LeBrun was waiting for the uh, weeds that had blown into his area to blow out. And so he left it and came back. I mean, that, that's an example of, of a helpful uh, idea on wind, isn't it? Yeah, it's all strategy. I mean, I mean, part of it's that, and it's physically being able to fish something with surface things that blow in or blow out. Another thing is understanding what baits we can cast into the wind. I mean, the the lipless crankbait is probably the all time best. The buzz bait's probably the all time worst thrown into the wind. So we got, and we're talking bass here, but it's the same thing with all species. And understanding what baits we can throw, understanding, and there's certain scenarios, Dave. For example, like in pencil reeds or real shallow vegetation if you get too much wind it'll rattle them out they're just not there talking about a big wind in a foot of water it'll just it'll blow them out and there's other times where in six seven foot of water in that kind of cover a big wind they're in there and they'll bite it like crazy and you don't have to throw it into them because weeds will hang over more horizontal you can't get to them 
So, you know, what? one point that I really wanted to bring up, though, and this is so important, we were talking about on the phone the other day, is one extremely effective presentation, obviously with a moving bait. Like if we're throwing a bladed jig in the wind, we can allow to some degree the wind to affect our line and that bait's hunting so much and they get it so good and you don't want to pull it away from them anyway. Where There's a lot of thing, things tie into that where you can get away with a little bit of that. But at any bottom bait, like a jig or a worm or anything, and I'll say this from a lot of past experience on doing it the wrong way, is if we get a big wind, will they still bite a jig in a big wind? Absolutely. And a lot of people put it away. Don't. But the key is to stay connected with that bait. You do that in one of two ways. Either go heavier uh, instead of three-eighths, go to half or three-quarter. But the bigger thing to me is to get a cast that is straight, a lot, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll power pull down above a target in a big wind and I'll make sure I'm throwing straight downwind of that thing. Number one, number two, because it's blowing so hard, you can get a lot closer to it and not spook them out. So, and I just did this last week and I was throwing a lipless rattle bait to walleyes and I'm throwing it dead downwind, did it with a hair jig too, dead downwind, and I'd let it get to the bottom, and I'd yo-yo it back to me, and there's no way, and I know this for a fact, because I didn't catch them, but if I got any angle in that line at all, it would screw with the speed of that bait, and if they were biting it, I didn't know it, but I don't think they were even biting it. As soon as I got it straight downwind, I'd catch them really good, and then I'd just jog over a little bit, lock down again, and make that cast 10 foot off to the right, but it would be straight downwind. But the key was to stay connected. You'll feel a bite just like it is when it's calm. But I think that was one point I wanted to be just be emphatic on because there were a couple people right next to me, but they were throwing more at an angle on the same fish and they were not biting their baits. And I'm convinced it was a speed thing. And we've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, the other things... Uh, Anglers are, are tend to move to where it's not windy instead of do what you did and figure it out what you have to do to catch them. And I think in the same scenario, you could do it with a Carolina rig, you could do it with a drop shot simply by going to a heavier weight and, and be successful at it. Well, what we need to realize, and this isn't always the case, again, if we have cold water that's relatively low visibility, I don't want to be in the wind. I'll get out of it when it's blowing. But if it's clear and they're biting, that wind will light them up a lot of times because it's pushing bait, it's pushing warm water, it's cutting down light. It's doing all the things we want to do, but we just need to make sure our presentation matches the conditions. And if we start going out and throwing a bass jig or a crappie jig, crappie's the best example. You go out in a 25-mile-hour wind, throw a crappie jig along a riprap bank, and let that thing line bow and let it take off like a sailboat, they're not going to bite it. You fish the same spot and you lock down and throw right down when they work it back slow, you start catching them. Same fish, same location, different presentation. And, and I think that's the big thing. Don't give up on it, but understand how to fish it. And usually with wind, it's I don't want to put a percentage on it because I don't have any data to back this up, but I'll bet it's close to 90% a speed thing. And you've got to get that speed right. And obviously there are certain baits, like a bladed jig actually fights itself as it comes back. It tries to slow down because of that blades out front. Spinner baits that way too. You can get away with a little bow in your line with that bait. No question. And another big, big thing that I would say that something I started doing about, I'd say 15 years ago, I will never fish, ever fish in a big wind with a super clear line. Number one, the water's mixed up, so I don't see your line as good. But number two, I can see the line because you can get away with a little bit of bow in your line and see that line jump way before you feel that hit. And that is a huge suggestion, whether that's braid to floral or straight high vis floral or straight straight floral and high vis or mono or whatever. A bright line that you can see is huge. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great tip. So you can watch the bait and uh, uh, watch the line and watch the line jump. But yeah, so many people just don't take advantage of the wind. Um, and it doesn't even have to be a, a, a heavy wind. There's still right ways to fish lighter winds, aren't there? Well, lighter winds are, in my 
I mean, my humble opinion, pretty much always my friend. I mean, there's yep. nothing better than a, just a little wind to break that light penetration down. And it's rattling things around just enough for not as spooky. You throw about every bait in your tackle box to them, but no matter what species it is. And, you know, like if you get on a windy point, get on the upwind side of that, right where that point starts to curve in to make that little cove and get the wind beaten in there and start there and work back out to the point, it's gold. And what's amazing is you get on the back side of that point where it's quiet and a lot of times they're not there and it's the same thing like at a not always but it's the same thing like when you're fishing current structures or but wind is the best example is you always try to get in it if you can as long as you know how to manage it now if we get a 50 mile an hour wind i either rack the boat or i go to some cove where there's giant trees it's protected and it is what it is but i'm talking about manageable situations but you can fish a lot more wind than you realize as long as you understand that yeah, I, I always find it interesting. You'll see uh, some of these big tournaments get a, a day that it's too windy and they can't go. And what do the guys do, the pros that are in there? They go to a lake that's smaller and secluded, and they fish. And I, and I think that's smart of them to do because staying uh, out and staying in, you know, so you're you're at, at your peak performance, basically, uh, rather than taking a day off uh, is important. Yeah, if we have that luxury, no question. You, you always try to get out of, you know, that that real, real heavy winter, really from a safety standpoint, too, for sure. But understand that fish bite really good in the wind, especially warmer water. And I, I would call, when I'm talking about warmer water, I'm talking about 50 degrees and up. You know, they'll bite in that really good. It's just a matter of making sure that presentation is key and then all the other factors apply. And another thing they'll do sometimes is they'll, they'll, they'll raise up a little bit in the water column. Like if you've got fish in 10 foot that are buried in weeds and it starts blowing, not only will they come up a little bit, but they'll come out towards the edges more. So your whole strategy changes. Like the best example I could give you is you can punch a mat when it's dead slick and catch them really good. But if it's blowing 25 mile an hour into that mat, I'd rather get off it and throw a blade of jig or a spinner bait or a crankbait or something on it, anything like that. Because the fish will actually, not only are they more aggressive, but they don't have to be right in it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's great. The other thing is the safety issue. I, I think that's good. The, Always check the weather, um, and you can use it both ways. It's going to pick up and be a little windy, so you know where these fish are going to position or banks that you want to fish. But certainly, if the weather's going to turn bad, you know what time to get off that lake. And the weather apps are very good these days, so you do that. And always uh, thank you for your, uh, your great advice, and uh, look forward to next week. Hey, Dave, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnson. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is sunline. And my favorite lines to use is sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. 
Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say everybody I get to interview on this this segment here is uh, uh, has a passion for the outdoors, and my next guest certainly does. He is Jose Chavez. He is uh, a designer of lures and baits, and working for Z-Man right now. Welcome to the program. Yeah, hey, thanks. Thanks for having me on board. I'm super excited. No, no, it, it's good. It's something that uh, uh, I think we've only had one other designer of baits and lures on the program that I can remember, uh, and I think that was Patrick Sabeel. So uh, uh, glad to get uh, somebody else on. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into designing lures and baits and you know who you've done this for, who have you worked for? Yeah, um, so basically... It's kind of strange. So I, I kind of got started in the, the fishing industry on the side of marketing. Um, I uh, I did a bunch of you know, magazine photography and writing uh, before kind of as a as kind of like a hobby. Um, and I was working in the biotech industry and uh, I was doing a lot of travel in that industry. And so with with my wife expecting our first child, we just kind of decided, hey, you know, let's, let's figure out something that we can do that I can do that, you know, has me home more than gone because previously I was probably traveling, you know, between four and seven months out of the year. Yeah. And so I knew social media was kind of, um, I saw the potential in it and I thought this was really a, uh, a neat opportunity for, for small to, you know, medium sized companies in fishing to have direct access with their consumers without having to compete with the giants in the traditional methods, you know, which was at that time, you know, print and, uh, and TV. And, you know, it, it was really impractical for them to, to really have a foothold there. So I went to ICAST and I was uh, trying to find clients that would let me do the, um, create the content forum and the messaging and, um, and just, you know, trying to start kind of like an agency mm-hmm. on that side, kind of fill that need. And, you know, um, I ended up coming across the guys at 13 Fishing and Jim, um, who's the owner of 13. We had some conversations and it led to some more conversations that eventually led to them bringing me on board there as a marketing manager. And uh, they have a really nimble group of people on their team that uh, do a lot of great stuff and, you know, uh, just being on board there on marketing it gave me opportunities to kind of, you know, have some input and be on board on, on some of the product projects that were going on. And after some time, you know, there was a need for 13 or a desire to get into the lure category. And I, I had a, a pretty good mind, I think for like, you know, tinkering and, and understanding why certain lures do certain things. And I've been, you know, fishing lures exclusively for, for many, many years at that point. And it just kind of worked out to where I started a few projects. And then I started, you know, then I got, I was in charge of the whole category of, of lures. And, um, and then really from there, um, I, you know, got recruited by Pi Savage here to uh, kind of move and be in charge of all of their, their, uh, the lure, all of their product development that was being produced. But that was in a nutshell, kind of how I got into the, um, into the, fishing industry and specifically into kind of like the product development and design of lures. Excellent. How long have you been with Z-Man now? Uh, Z-Man? I've been with Z-Man for a couple of months. Okay. So I just, I just started here. So I was, I was with 13 fishing for probably around four or five years. And I was with um, Savage gear before this for probably around four or five years as well. Excellent. It's got so, got to be kind of a dream job for you uh, since you're into the fishing to be able to design baits that uh, not just for your personal use but that get developed and marketed and used and and uh, used successfully yeah you know it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting job I really enjoy it uh, you could definitely say it's a, it's a bit of a dream job and you know with with I'm just you know fishing is something I've lost sleep over you know before I worked in the fishing industry and uh, I think it's a kind of a great opportunity to kind of make the stuff we wish existed and to kind of think outside the box and do those little kind of modifications to things that you know that I've always wanted to do with the products that I've been fishing so it's been it's been quite an amazing ride and an amazing opportunity as well 
Absolutely. And I like what you just said there, modifications. Many of the new things that come out seem to be things that might have been developed 50 years ago, 60 years ago, but there's different techniques now, different lines, different rods, different reels, and everything is different. And some of those baits, although they would still work on their own, there's there's better uses of that bait if it's tweaked. Yeah, totally. I mean, and we have like, you know, improvements in materials, improvements in technologies, improvements in coatings, like even like the world of hooks, which is super basic, uh, you know, there's been a lot of pretty, you know, big innovative things with the coatings and the carbon steel that they're made of. I think that whole world is just progressing and, and a lot with like, you know, with the world of music, like, you know, um, fishing is the same way in which the products that are brought to market are just kind of building upon, you know, the, the previous history and what's been done before and the lessons learned to kind of modify things and get up with the times of what's, you know, what, what are the needs of the anglers now versus what they were, you know, 20 years ago. Absolutely. Do you think that since there are so many more people fishing and the pressure that these lakes get and the rivers and the streams and the ponds that the, the baits need to have the better finishes, look more realistic, act more realistic because of the, the pressure that's put on them? Yeah, I think so. I think realism is one of them, you know, like fine detail and re- realism, but also like, you know, in the, in the for the purposes of like downscaling and fine tuning, like some things that worked before, um, we could really find ways to make things better. And I think that continual process of improvement um, is something that's needed. As you said, there's so much more pressure and so much, so many more people on the water and, you know, fish are seeing a, a greater number of lures and having a greater number of events where they come into contact with, uh, with, you know, people um, fishing for them that, you know, in order to really maximize your catch rate, like all these little, you know, modifications or fine tuning of applications are going to make a big difference. Absolutely. I I think, uh, in the past it used to be like, especially on the bass, uh, and pike and things like that, that, that it was all casting uh, rods and reels. So bigger baits and uh, baits that were heavy enough to throw on that, uh, does it change a designer's mind when you start having so many finesse techniques that, and so many people at all levels of fishing using spinning rods and lighter lines? Um, a little bit, but, uh, but not so much. It's more of like, uh, looking at the target market and just really just making products for that particular consumer. The beauty of finesse fishing is that, like you said, whether you're a, you know, a major league fishing pro or you're just, you know, someone looking to, you know, cast the line out in a pond, the beauty about finesse is that that will catch fish anywhere. So if you look at our, the, the NED and the TRD program that Seaman has in place, like it's an amazing tool used anywhere from like people who just, you know, casually fish on the weekends all the way for the touring pros. Like no matter what body of water you're in, that's a technique and an application that will just always catch fish no matter where you are. So it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool new market segment. And with what you were saying with the bigger baits, I think there are some, you know, improvements on some bigger baits that are happening that we're seeing some guys like continue to like improve and, and make the products better there. But I think, you know, in general, we've seen this in Japan overseas, but in the U S with the added pressure that we're getting, like finesse fishing is becoming such so much more of like an important uh, technique uh, nowadays and, and more people are really taking to it. And it's just, you know, it just ends up in, you know, more fish caught and people having better experiences on the water um, regardless of their um, level of expertise, which is an overall good thing. Absolutely. Does uh, how many baits do you normally have on the table at a time that you're you're thinking about or designing or tweaking? Uh, you know, it, it or is it just one at a time? I mean, there's. I usually have several projects going at once, and um, a lot of them are. You know, they range in complexity. Some are fairly simple to pull off, and some are rather complex to pull off, and some take you know longer than others. So, I mean, right now, I probably have between you know. 30 and 40 projects that are ongoing. Um, and I kind of just prioritize them as needed, but, uh, I think it's important to keep things moving forward and have lots of ideas in the hopper. And, you know, sometimes you, you come across a solution to a problem that makes something better, you know, down the line that, that helps. So 
I just like kind of keeping things moving forward and and having you know a variety of ideas in progress. No, oh, that's great. Uh, from uh, original idea of a bait to having it out on a retailer shelf, how what's the average time, or isn't there one? Um, it just depends on the type of bait. So simpler products like you know twin color injected soft plastics, um, you probably have a period of you know six to eight months of like prototyping and fine tuning. And then from the time it's released, uh, it, probably within a year to 14 months, it's something that you could potentially see at iCast. And then if you add another you know, six months, so anywhere between, I would say, eight, uh, 18 to, to 22 months is kind of how long it takes for things to usually kind of show up. And at least that's been how I've done it in the past. I know some companies work on three-year time schedules and some companies work you know, a little bit faster than that. But I think, you know, that 18 month time schedule is a fairly nimble time schedule for most companies. No, that, and, and that's, um, you know, when you think a, a year, a year and a half, two years into something or out to three years, that's uh, uh, pretty crazy to think about that because the patterns, things could change in our industry and, and maybe it's not that way or maybe the baits you design change the industry and it, that's got to be fun and um, definitely uh, appreciate you being on the podcast and uh, look forward to meeting you at uh, at ICAST this year in July and uh, thanks for being on the program yeah likewise thanks for having me and uh, certainly look forward to meeting you it'll be good to meet in person excellent uh, that was Jose Chavez I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote And this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range, no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley, and... I'm happy to uh, welcome a guy I have been wanting to have on as a guest for quite a while. He is a legend, uh, in my opinion. He is a big fish master, and uh, he he fishes on a home water, which is just famous around the country. It's a place where everybody wants to go. Uh, he's done exceptionally well there, but I don't want to sell him short because he's good anywhere he goes to fish. But we will definitely spend some time talking about his home water, which is Lake Fork in Texas. Please welcome Lee Livesey. Hey, Lee, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, man. This is awesome. Uh, I'm good. Family's good. And uh, I think the fishing's going to be good. The the family was good right away because family is so important. And I enjoyed seeing a picture of you up on stage at a weigh-in and... uh, you're holding a, a, a little baby. It's your daughter, Lane, I believe. Yep, Lane. L-A-N-E, like the boy named Lane. How old is she? She is six weeks now. Six weeks. Man, you were holding that baby so 
casually and comfortably. I looked at that and I said, this, this gentleman is meant to be a dad. <laughs> yeah, it's my first kid, but man, I'm really enjoying it. It's been really special. I never knew until I had her what it would be like. Well, this makes it a very, very special uh, year already going in, huh? Yeah, man, getting that uh, getting that baby out healthy and, you know, during the elite season was nerve-wracking, obviously, but everybody came out healthy, mom's healthy, baby's healthy, and I already got our ticket punched to the classic. I mean, everything's going good on my end, for sure. That is absolutely great. Uh, you, you've, had a, you've had a good career so far. You've only been a pro angler for four years. You're only 36 years old, I believe. Uh, you're 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 just breaking out as a rookie, really. And uh, uh, that mid thirties area is when guys guys start seeing uh, they're hitting their stride, getting to where they want to be. I think you have. Uh, I think you are where you should be right now. Uh, how do you feel? You're progressing. Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel that you're doing as well as you could be doing? I mean, there's always room for improvement. I mean, from me to Swindle to KVD, but, you know, I definitely have a lot of confidence going right now. And and it, it's more just, uh, you know, not listening to any doc talk, not listening to any reports or anything, just going wherever we end up, whether it's Fork or Champlain or St. John's and just fishing my strengths, you know, and fishing, you know, not saying, oh, you have to fish over here or there or do this, just going fishing and and doing doing stuff that I like, you know, whether it's power fishing or frogging or punching or, or whatever, you know, I think that's a lot of just having confidence and in your techniques and your areas and just fishing how you want to and figuring it out every day. You know, every day is a little different. So that's been huge for me is just, you know, get comfortable and, and staying confident. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, everybody will tell you, I, I would not even think about asking you about uh, the competition because the competition is really the fish and the weather and the water. And, and, and a lot of it is out of your control, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the biggest mistake you can do is trying to fish somebody else's fish or listen to somebody else or, you know, if you could get, we can't get information, but if you could, you know, fishing their stuff, it just never works out ever. It's crazy. I've seen it a million times. So just, you see guys like Christy and Hackney that have always done their own deal. And man, they always, they're always doing good. And it's just, you know, it's taken me a while to learn that. And just, I think a lot of just self-confidence is huge in the sport of bass fishing. Yeah. Very, very good. Uh, it, I would be remiss. Everybody wants to hear about Lake Fork. It's a legendary body of water in northeast Texas. It's uh, probably closest to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, it, it may even be closer to the Louisiana and Arkansas borders, but as far as Texas is concerned, it's uh, it's a real short hop from, uh, from Dallas-Fort Worth. It's a 27,000-plus acre lake that's 70 feet deep. It's a uh, it's an impoundment that was uh, closed up in, uh, I think it was 1980, and uh, it, it got a reputation as being a phenomenal fishery, and people were going from all over the country to fish Lake Fork. You know, you, you, you'd, you'd, say to, you'd say the name Lake Fork, and people would, like, bow their head like they were in church. Well, for a while, Lake Fork seemed to cool off. You weren't hearing those reports of 10-pounders constantly coming out of Fork. But that's really turned around. It proved to me that fishing is cyclical. But 10-pounders out of Lake Fork are something you're hearing more and more of in the last two years. Am, am I calling this right? Is it cyclical? Is it on the upswing right now? And Fork's always had them and always got them. It's somebody either not talking about them or, or you know, Lake Cycle might be up or down. You know, we're six foot low right now for dam, dam repairs, so we're about to go through a a down cycle just being low and then we're going to blow up again when it, when all this bank grass grows and uh, the lake goes up and grows around it and all the the fish in the forage spawn and it. so it's just you know it's a when i say an older lake it's older for the state of texas being a man-made impoundment and just you know those older lakes they need to go through cycles ups and downs and it's still got the same uh same big fish and the same forage and the same you know everything so it's it's just a different animal i don't care what anybody says lake fork's a different animal there's only one that rivals that are in you know the south and that's falcon when falcon was falcon but 
you know, compared to anything else, there's nothing like it weight-wise. That's why, I mean, we haven't even really seen the full potential yet in the elite events the last three years, except a few days. So I think this year is going to really show out weight-wise. You better not stop catching them, and you better uh, – you better not stop at 20. That's all I know. <laughs> uh, and, 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 folks, you're listening to a guy that knows he's one of the few people who have weighed in uh, over 100 pounds in an in individual tournament. Uh, I believe he's still got the uh, the record for the third heaviest bag in a day with over 42 pounds. Yeah, I said 42 pounds in one day. That That is absolutely amazing uh, that y- you can do things like that. So, have the fish has the fish's behavior changed on Lake Fork over the years? Oh yeah, just with pressure and electronics and just lack of vegetation or you know decay of timber. You know everything's changed. Fish activity, fish feeding time frames and spots, and you know that's just like any lake is going to change year to year. But uh, you know, Fork's one of the most pressured lakes in the in the world, not just in the the U.S. It's it's you know, it gets hammered every day. These fish are the smartest fish in the world, I think. But when you catch them feeding, they're it's there's no other place like it. When you can catch them feeding, you can just get right really quick. That's that sounds exciting. You know, the the other lake that uh, I hear a lot of guys talking about is that OH Ivy. Yep. Where and where where is that at? It's about five hours west of Fork. Maybe yeah. six hours. That's that, that, that's a that's a long ways, but that that's a, it's not as big a lake at all, and uh, it it doesn't have the tournaments that that a fork does. But I imagine it's still got a ton of pressure on it. But but I think these lakes and these fishes, if these fish, and and we're talking about lakes that hold ten pound fish, I, I, you got to take your hat off and, and give credit to the uh, the Texas DNR and that Share Lucker program, which just seems to be the key to all this. Yeah, I mean, Texas takes care of our lakes and our resources, and, and you know we grow them like we have them, but because of them, and it's just been uh, it's been cool to watch them, you know, take the share lunkers and the and the fry and, and grow these fish and release them back into our lakes and, and really take care of our resources. They're doing a great job. Yeah, I think I think it's wonderful. You know, everybody complains about the DNR when they come up and they ask you to check your license and that, but. Uh, Man, you got to step back and look at what they do in in general, and say, "Man, this really, really works." And, and if the rest of the country copied the way Texas uh, operates, we'd we'd be better fishermen, better fisheries all over the place. I, I think they're doing. I think they're absolutely great. Yeah, they do a great job. I mean, just you know, people complain about a little bit more expensive fishing license here, but I mean that money's going back into our resources and stocking programs and parks and. And you know boat ramps and all kinds of stuff. So Texas is definitely the the leader in in that department, and I'm glad to, glad I live down here because I mean there's hundreds of lakes that are just amazing and just as good as Fork. It's amazing. I fish a lot of a lot of small lakes in East Texas just because the fishing is amazing. Oh, that is cool. That is cool. What's your what's your strength as a fisherman? Um, you know it's weird. I've kind of evolved. You know I've been when I guided on Fork full-time and fishing Texas, the Texas scene, you know, I was known as an offshore guy, you know, a power offshore guy. And I've kind of more developed into uh, a shallow power fisherman. That's where I make my money at now. And uh, so, you know, throwing a topwater or a frog or, you know, punching, flipping frog and stuff like that is what I would definitely call my strength. So frogging, uh, frogging is a good technique on Fork. When the water's up, right now the water's low and there's nothing in the water but timber. Okay. So now, right now, no, but if the water goes up just a little bit, that bank grass that's been growing will be in the water, and yes, swim jigging and frogging will definitely play. I said 2022 is is uh, an incredible year with all the uh, the circumstances you've had and, and uh, uh, things that have happened with you. You, had a, you got a new baby. I think that is absolutely great. Uh, you want to open on Ross Barnett. You've got a... Big, big tournament coming up on Lake Fork next week. And, and you got to fish with a legend. My, my friend Ken Duke from Fishing Tackle Retailer got to do a little fishing with you. Uh, and uh, 
He told me that you are an incredible topwater fisherman, and he had the time of his life because uh, you know who doesn't like who doesn't like fishing topwaters, and who certainly doesn't like fishing topwaters when you're in a boat with somebody who's got that uh, got that presentation mastered like you do. Well, Ken actually caught the biggest one of our, our riders' conference down at Gros Savon. Ken caught one with me that was over seven pounds. That was the biggest one I had in my boat. So that was the biggest one anybody caught. Seven pounds seven pound on the top water? He caught it on a frog. Oh, man. That is uh, that is uh, something to see, boy. I tell you what, that'll hook you on that for life. Well, I, you know, I understand what you said about the water being up and down. Well, a lot of people, uh, I was just looking on Facebook this morning before we talked, and somebody put up a picture of a, uh, uh, a northern fish that was that said was topwater, and, and people were saying, hey, how could you have got a topwater? It's not late enough in the season for topwaters. Topwaters don't start working until June, and uh, I think that's a huge mistake that a lot of fishermen make is trying to figure out when to use a tap water, you know, a, a lot of guys don't want to use them if there's any wind blowing or you got a chop on the water. They're looking for calm water. They're looking for warmer water. I, I think you should throw a tap water all the time. It doesn't mean you have to throw it all day, but you got you ought to give it a try, don't you think? Yeah, and you know, a lot of it's regionally biased and based, but you know, I'm throwing a top water from February to December, pretty much. The only month I usually am not throwing one is January, and that's just. Cause it's our coldest month usually, but I've always got a frog, buzz bait, you know, dogma, some kind of walking bait or popping bait tied on year round, you know, anywhere I go just because they get bigger bites, I think, and, and I have a lot of confidence in it. So definitely always keep one tied on. Excellent. You talked about, uh, you mentioned uh, Champlain, and it surprised me because you've been so successful. You, you grew up on Fork. You, you've made your reputation on Fork. Champlain is totally, totally different. It's different fishing. Uh, it, it's different water. What makes uh, Champlain so appealing to you? Uh, yeah, I'm just like we talked about. I'm comfortable everywhere I'm going right now. It's just uh, finding the fish. But, you know, the from Lake Ontario, St. Lawrence River to Champlain, all that stuff up there, it's just the fishing's fun. You catch a lot of fish, and it's really uh, – more related up there to finding bigger quality fish because even at Champlain, you know, you can catch 20, 30 fish a day that you're, you know, two and three quarter to three and a quarter, and then you might catch one four and a half pounder. And man, you think, I'm going to be good. You're coming in with <laughs> 15 and a half pounds, and you're in 78. You know, three and three quarter to, to four and a quarter, you know, with a, with a five or six, you know, that's how you do good there. And it's just, you can pattern fish there and power fish and just, you can literally do anything on Champlain that you want to do from frogging to punching to catching deep suspended smallmouth to Carolina rigging to swim baiting to jerk baiting. I mean, it's amazing. It's a real, it's my favorite lake to fish. And it's uh, just one of those, like I said, that you have to figure out how to catch a little bit bigger caliber than everybody else because everybody's going to catch them. Excellent explanation. So you weren't, you weren't fearful of going to water that was requiring you to switch over to spinning tackle, light lines, and, and going after a different species of fish. You know, uh, some people think bass are bass, but I think smallmouth and largemouth are incredibly different animals. And uh, a, a lot of people get intimidated when they've got to go put uh, smallmouth in the box. Yeah, once you get up there and fish a little bit, you learn those smallmouth are, are really aggressive. And, you know, yeah, some of it is that finesse tactics, but... You know, at the same time, last year I was catching, you know, four-pound largemouth and smallmouth on the same spot with, you know, 40-pound braid and a big, giant walking topwater bait, you know, every <laughs> single cast and, you know, power jerking. But, you know, at the same time, I was going out there and throwing six-pound test by baiting for smallmouth in 30-foot of water and dropping, you know, drop shots in 30, 40-foot of water on boulders for them, too. You know, it's it's fun. You are versatile. You are versatile. Oh, you know, I'd like to uh, take a little break and let uh, our sponsors have a word. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about your sponsors because you've got an extremely interesting list of people that support you, and I want to talk about them. I'm Steve Sarley. This is We Fish AFS ASA. We're on with Lee Livesey, a uh, super, super big fish master from uh, the state of Texas. He'll be fishing Lake Fork next week. We'll talk about that. Again, We Fish ASA, Steve Surley, Lee Livesey. We'll be back in just a moment. 
You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. We'd sit out on the front porch just to pick in all the summer. And there's blood on the table. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Surley. My guest for today is Lee Livesey, a guy that uh, I just think the world of. He is a big fish expert. Uh, what's the biggest one you've ever caught, Lee? 1289 is the biggest fish I've ever personally caught, but I had a client on Lake Fork one year catch a 1388, almost 14-pounder. That's the biggest one I've ever, ever laid my hands on. Not bad at all. You know, the, the the thing that's amazing, and people are listening, they'll hear it and go, boy, they talk about these the biggest fish they ever caught. They never catch them in a tournament. Why is that? <laughs> I, I think I know why that is. You know, if you're fishing if you're fishing 200 days a year on, on Fork, you're only fishing that tournament four days. You know, what are, that reduces your chances of catching a fish of a lifetime, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And, you know, those fish of a lifetime are, you know, a lot of it's <clears> – <throat> You know, seasonally based and timing, you know, whether it's late in the day, early in the day, big fronts, you know, just those big ones only bite certain times of the year. And it's just needle in a haystack on catching one and having all your equipment right and, and everything happen just perfect to catch that fish. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, you had said you had guided on Lake Fork earlier in your lifetime. Is that what you would be doing now if you weren't fishing in uh, tournaments professionally? You broke up. I said, is that what you would be doing now if uh, instead of being a uh, tournament pro, is, is a, being a guide? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I've, I've always been a guide since I got out of college. And now if I ever quit the elites or get kicked off, I'll go back to guiding, uh, you know, bass fishing and, and outfitting hunting somewhere. It's just I'm an outdoors junkie. I like to fish and hunt and all that stuff in between. Excellent. Excellent. That is wonderful. And you know what? Let me just give you a little tip here. There's no, isn't anybody going to kick you out of the elites, man. They're happy to have you. I think they are, uh, I think they're ecstatic that you are representing Bassmaster uh, on a tournament basis. So you're, you're a good, good representative of the, of the circuit. Thank you. You'll you, you, be, you'll be doing that. You'll be doing that for a long time. All right. Don't, uh, I had heard a rumor. I don't know if you want to address this or not. That uh, you, you, you still, when there are not tournaments, you will, uh, you will take clients on. Oh yeah, man! I really enjoy guiding, actually, and uh, taking clients out. You know, a lot of my sponsors and stuff have came from from guiding and meeting meeting new friends and, and people in the industry. It's uh, not just fishing related, but non endemic uh, stuff too. Is most of that has came from uh, guiding, meeting the right cool the right clientele, and, and I enjoy it. That's the, and that, that's where the money is. That uh, non-endemic is, is where the is where the money is. I heard I, I this may be out of line, but I heard you get a thousand dollars a day for guiding on Lake Fork. Did I hear that right? 
<laughs> I, I could if I wanted to. You know, I feel bad charging that much. And I, I still uh, I still keep my people at the same price I've, I've always guided them at. <clears throat> but every now and then uh, I'll have somebody that, that just really wants to when I shouldn't be, and I'll, I'll uh, sneak them in there. That, that is absolutely wonderful. You know, I, I, was, I was talking to Roland Martin one time. And he told me he still uh, he'll still book trips with clients occasionally if he's got the time, and he gets a thousand dollars a day. And I said, you know what? That is, that'd be pretty cool fishing with Roland Martin, you know. And, and certainly, we, a legend like that for a thousand dollars a day. I, I don't see any problem with giving Lee Livesey a thousand dollars to get out on Lake Fork with, with a shot of getting a ten or a twelve or a fourteen. Uh, I, I think that I think that's worth the money, man. It, it is, and you'd be, it's it's crazy what people will pay, but it's, you know, my, you know, anybody that's ever been with me knows I work really hard, and it's not just a, a job, you know, we have a lot of fun, and we start a relationship, and, you know, 99.9% of my clientele have always came back, you know, because we they've enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed them. Excellent. Very good. That's great. That's what it's, that's what it's all about, because, you know what, there's no guarantee that you're going to come uh, bring somebody in, and they have uh, they've gotten a they've convinced a ten pounder to eat, let alone get it in the boat. There's no guarantee at all. So you, you got to have a good time. You got to balance that uh, uh, the success with, with with the with the rest of the experience. And I think that you would certainly certainly provide that. Yeah, and I appreciate it. It's it's pretty cool, you know. Forks like we've talked about. Fork is just a special special place, and we have people from all over the world come there. I got a question for you here. Uh, a lot of guides that fish tournaments. I'm talking about up here. I'm in Chicago. We're, we're local. I, I hear guys that guide and fish tournaments. Their clients will complain after. I don't think he took me to, to the good to his good spots. Uh, well, you know what? It's a tough call when you're doing both because you may have a client today and next week you're you're in a tournament. Uh, you want to go stick fish that you'd like to catch and weigh in in a tournament and get paid for and, and, and give them up to a client? Is, is that a hard is that a hard thing to balance? Uh, you know, I don't I don't fish a lot of tournaments on forks. So I don't have that problem. You know, I could see that on those guys at Guppersville and Rayburn and places like that. But, you know, I don't fish any tournaments on fork besides our elite event anymore. So that that would be a hard decision for sure. Yeah, I, I I don't think I don't think anybody can deny that that doesn't come into your head, but when you think about it, a lake like Fork has got so many spots you you couldn't hit them all in a day anyway. No, but sometimes it's fish small too, and there's only a certain few uh, holes hidden. But uh, Fork, the cool thing about Fork is that fish is really uh, big as far as weight goes. You can catch a big bag. Literally anywhere on the lake, there's no areas that are just that much better than the other ones. Yeah, makes makes definitely makes sense. To, definitely makes sense to me. And and, and if you want to uh, talk, if you want to talk to Lee Livesey about uh, hooking up with him to fish on Fork, the best way to do it, I think, is by going to your page on Facebook. Correct? Yeah, Facebook or Instagram. Lee Livesey, that's Lee. Lee Livesey, that's Lee. Yeah, uh, you can get the information there. And if you're going to Dallas area. Uh, be a nice, nice way to add a day to a business trip. Actually, it'd be a great thing just to go down there just to do that. Uh, and Dallas, a great city to, to go to. So I think that would be cool. Let, let's let's talk about your sponsors. Uh, rods. Uh, Ken Duke told me you've got a, a new signature rod coming out for Halo that he said was really incredible. Yeah, they've been out for over a year now. Uh, the first tournament that I actually got to use them. <laughs> was the lake last year that i won so i've had them for a little over a year they've been amazing you know me and walt and the guys at halo and american baitworks did a really good job on that model and it's the halo hfx line is what it's called the halo hfx and we've got tons of models and links and actions and you know you can literally do anything we got you know stuff from punching and flipping to swim bait and to frogging to cranking to top water to spinning and you know i use them all over the world everything i got you know that hfx model is just amazing and i've been really really i've been real vocal about it not just because it's got my name on it but it's it's helped me catch fish with different techniques and it's it's that we've added some actions and links to it that you just need you know for certain things 
Excellent. And you know what? Uh, Halo kind of flies under the radar. It's not the, the biggest name in the world. And uh, I'll vouch for their products. Uh, my my uh, go-to uh, my go-to bait casting rod is is a halo, and it's uh, it's it's done real well by me for about eight years now. No complaints. Think it's really good. Be the first one I uh, I put a reel on when I'm ready to go out. And I know people are listening. So, hey, who cares what Steve's using? We, we want to hear Lilliesy. I I don't blame him for that. But uh, whose whose frogs are you throwing? What's that? Whose frogs are you using? Oh, I'm I'm uh you know I'm with uh, scum frog and snag proof uh, frogs. You know I, I like to throw the uh, Bobby's Perfect frog by snag proof and the fat frog by snag proof. Those are my two my two go tos on the bigger frogs. And uh, when I when I want a smaller frog, I throw the scum frog uh, popping frog. It's a uh, just a little bit smaller profile, has really good hookup ratio and. Like, like you were talking about, you can ask Ken about those. I threw that uh, scum frog popper in that Bobby's Perfect uh, all day at Gros Savon. They're amazing, and you know I catch fish on them everywhere I go. I win a lot of money on them. They seem to, uh, they're soft, they're pliable, but to me, they seem to uh, last a little bit longer. You don't have to uh, throw it away after two fish. Uh, they'll, they'll last you uh, a lot longer than a lot of the frogs that are on the market, and frogs are getting more expensive all the time. Yeah, that especially that Bobby's perfect, man. I, I fished uh, on a private lake last March, and I caught over 300 fish in two days. I caught like 309, if I remember right, huh. on one frog without anything breaking or anything on it. Excellent. Excellent. I, I read a couple interviews and saw on your list of sponsors, uh, Bait Fuel, which is a, uh, which is a scent. You have been using scents for a long time. Uh, the, is that just an automatic that you're spraying your baits with scent? Yeah, and you know, even that uh, that win last, you know, two weeks ago at Ross Barnett and that open, you know, I was around a lot of boat pressure. I mean, there was you know almost a hundred boats on that eastern bank over there with me. And I was throwing bait fuel on my, my net bait lizard, and I just feel like it was an advantage. <clears throat> and and it works so good, this is how I know. Just like, you know, gulp used to be back in the day, you yeah. just catch it, all this random stuff on it just because it smells so good. And I was catching like four or five catfish a day on my lizard at Ross <laughs> Barnett. And that's when I know it's like really working when you start catching other species as well. Excellent. Excellent. That is good. That is definitely good to hear. Well, I won't. Put, I won't drop this into later. But we'll do a little. Uh, drop in a little bit of music uh, coming in and out of these segments, and uh, we're going to play. Uh, we we have played a little bit by a band called Whiskey Myers, and amazingly, you are the only professional angler I know that is sponsored by a band. Yeah, man, they're they're rock stars. They're they're super cool guys. We've known each other for a long time, and and man, that, if you've ever been to one of their concerts, you know what I'm talking about. You know, they play a little bit of southern rock and that red dirt country, uh, and the, they got it going on, man. They're they're awesome and really good guys too. They're they're big in the outdoors, fishing and hunting and all kinds of stuff. They're just amazing. The music's great, and they're just really good guys. You know, we call them the official band of Bassmasters because I'm getting everybody hooked from Dave Mercer to Mark Zona to Davey Height, John Cruz, Caleb, me. I mean, everybody's going to concerts all over the world when they're traveling, and everybody's getting hooked. Yeah, you know what? Uh, Ken Duke told me about them, and uh, he said, you got to check this out. He said, you might want to uh, download something and put it on your interview with uh, with Lee Livesey. And I said, man, I, I'm a, I, I love Skinner. I'm, one of my favorite bands of all time is uh, 38 Special. And I go, man, this just fits right in. The, the, these guys are up there with me now. Yeah, and, I, and I know people are listening. Go, we don't care what Steve likes. We want to hear what Lee Livesey likes. <laughs> And I, I do understand it. Hey, we're out of time. I need to go. Lee, I, I just want to wish you the best of luck at the big tournament in uh, at Lake Fork. If I was a gambling man, I would put my money down on you. Uh, I think that uh, you have a lot of people in your corner in the fantasy fishing. You're, you're going to do well. Uh, have a good time. Uh, get a check. And take care of that beautiful family of yours. Thank you for being with us. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate y'all. And, uh, 
I'll see you next time. Hey, Lee, thank you very much. Lee Livesey, is this guy cool or what? Big fish master. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best start fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank our guests for today, Dan Johnson from St. Croix, from Z-Man Bates, lure designer Jose Chavez. Great interview. Nice to have Jose on. And Lee Lindsay from Lake Fork down in uh, uh, Lake Fork down in Texas in the Dallas area. It's a factory for big fish, and nobody can put you on them like Lee Livesey. He's done it in tournament competition. He does it guiding. Uh, this guy is just a machine. He knows how to catch those big bass. Lee Livesey. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. Daiwa certainly does. Remember that uh, We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get podcasts. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.